Hi, my name is Ashley. And I'm Yesra. And today we are going to provide our listeners tips on how to deal with the stressful period of recruiting and finals. Gordon Fan, an MBA too who's an artist with experience in luxury fashion and who started the NYU Buddhism Club, will provide tips on how to integrate mindfulness in your day-to-day life. And Allison Dinza, a career mentor at Stern and a guru herself in mindfulness, will give you sleeping tips and will share from her experience in supporting students in those stressful times and what helps them the most. All right, let's start the show. Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So I guess for us getting started, why don't you tell the listeners what your role at Stern is? Yeah, sure. Um, My role, I'm a career coach on the career coaching team. We have a fantastic team. I've been here for about two and a half years. Awesome. Cool. And like what, uh, can you like just go in for the students? Like what are the things that like students come to you as a career coach? Like is it just like help recruiting, Mm -hmm. you know? Sure. I I think students come to me and come to all the coaches to either solve their perceived immediate needs. A lot of times that can be very transactional, i.e., can you look at my resume? Can you help me with my cover letter? We're having cover letter crunch right now where students are coming in. It's like an army of students coming in with support for their cover letters. Can you help me with salary negotiation? Um, Students who gravitate towards me, and I tend to gravitate towards them as well, are students with non-traditional backgrounds Mm. um, and maybe who are trying also to pursue something a little bit more unique um, when it comes to the business verticals. Awesome. Amazing. So when it comes to recruiting, uh, what advice do you have for students dealing with stress and regaining control in that process when there might not be that much left? When there might not be that much left? (laughs) Yes. Um, Control is such an interesting topic and one that I'm really fascinated by. Um, And as we we talked together before we are recording this now, we talked about how students and anyone really tries to arrest like the last element or inkling of control that they might have by, um, can you look at my resume? I know I've had all the coaches look at it and I've had my career mentor look at it several times, but could you look at it one more time? And for me, I remember when I applied to Stern, um, for, for my job, I spent four hours on my thank you notes and my wow. husband was like, Allison, it's, it's now time. You've, you've done enough. You have to let this go. Um, for me as someone who likes to control her environment and I tend to be um, quite vulnerable with my students and tell them what's going on or like, oh, me too, that happened to me. I, I get it. But recruiting and interviewing like there there is necessarily going to be a power imbalance Mm. that is inevitable and there's only so much you can control and once you recognize that that like being open to that idea that in an interview I might make a mistake but the way that I repair the way that I recover that's that really shows who I am 
that can also give you a sense of control back. It's not just the personal documentation, but how you show up because mistakes are inevitable no matter how much we prepare. Yeah, absolutely. And so you talked a bit of, about like knowing when to just like, okay, I've done all I can do. It's time to step away, yeah. right? And I understand that that probably looks different for everyone, right? Sure. But are there certain like either bodily triggers or themes, right? When like, it's like, okay, like maybe it's just like, I've done all I can do here. Like maybe it's time to step away. And like, how do you help your uh, students identify like, you, you know, you've done all you can do? Um, I mean, at a certain point, the resume is really good. The cover <laughs> letter is really good. And you've, you've prepared for your interview. Your pitch is good. Um, what I will just tell students, and this is not a bodily cue, but what I will explain is if you deliver your pitch more like a hundred times it's gonna it it depends on who you are I'll say that sure. for some people there's um so much practice it can help the pitch become ingrained and there's no nerves at all you like completely forget that you've said anything right it's like acting maybe a fake it till you make it mentality for others it can become so rehearsed that they're like an automaton and it doesn't sound refreshing or authentic and it can backfire so what I, I like to get to know the student in front of me. Knowing my audience is so critical because my advice needs to be tailored to that person and it has to be tailored to what's going on. Like in what you said in the intro of Stern Chats, between the lines of the resume, <laughs> that's, that's different for everyone. Everyone has stuff they're dealing with. Sure. Absolutely. So as far as giving students advice on how to go into this process with a clear mind and mm -hmm. um, what are some of the tips that you have for them for de-stressing or um, just having uh, the feeling of if they can't control the process, mm -hmm. being able to control themselves? Yes. So the one of the first things I thought of as I look at my Apple Watch sitting mm -hmm. like here <laughs> um, is disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, I took off my Apple Watch because the I know I can turn off the habit, haptics, I get that, but like feeling that vibration pulls me out of the moment. Mm -hmm. If my phone, which is not here, if my phone is like in front of me in view during a coaching appointment, then I might be distracted. In fact, I will most definitely be distracted because the phone being anywhere nearby is necessarily a distraction for anyone. Mm -hmm. So disconnecting by putting the phone away on airplane mode, for me, a place where I cannot reach it, which sometimes means that <laughs> I will forget where it is. Um, if a student feels like the need to continue controlling something, I think it's controlling your day. Um, it's small things like, you know, during, during I'm going to take it back to COVID for, for, and we're still in COVID, but that feeling of uncertainty um, like, I'm going to pick out my outfit. I am going, for me, to, I'm going to clean. Cleaning feels very, very productive. Mm. It's productive procrastination. It allows me to control my environment when I feel out of control and it's cathartic. Um, and so it's thinking about what, like going through some ideas with the student to help them figure out what it is, what they can do to relax. 
the Oppie came out with, um, I don't know if you saw the Oppie article on like the wellness and busyness Mm. in school, but it's very much to this topic and students provided suggestions on what they do to relax when they're feeling overwhelmed, typically by recruiting. And it was a whole assortment of things. My favorite one was um, sing and dance to and like cry to Taylor Swift. This is anonymous, <laughs> right? Yeah, like that's, that is great. Do that, take a bath, take a walk, cook. And comparison is the thief of joy and it is inevitable. So if someone is like, well, I make sourdough bread for the homeless to decompress. And you're like, oh my God, I just make, I just sit in the bath and watch The Bachelor. <laughs> I think feeling guilty might be inevitable, but do you? Seriously. Yeah. Do you? Slowing down to speed up is a phrase that I really try to say to myself a lot because, like, you know, I'm sure we're all in business school. We've got that similar type A thing going on, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can feel a little guilty of just doing that bath and bachelor, right? Bath and bachelor, yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I think that's like a recurring theme, Uh, you know, for me, like looking around and feeling like everybody around me is doing so much and I'm supposed to be doing so much more than what I'm doing Mm -hmm. can be a very overwhelming feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the tools that I know I turn to a lot that we discussed uh, together is the importance of sleep and how much... uh, of an effect that can have on your ability to truly show up for yourself and others during the day. So I know this is a topic that you're very passionate Mm -hmm. about. Can you tell us a little bit more about how students can really approach sleep in most effective ways and any tips that you have for them? I'm so glad you brought that up because it's a question that I ask in almost every coaching appointment. Mm -hmm. How much sleep are you getting? And I usually say, I love talking about sleep. I'd be more than happy to dive in with you if you'd like. We don't have to if you don't want to. Um, I myself was put on a very strict sleep hygiene routine um, by my baby, who's now 16 months, by our sleep consultant. Um, Sleep consulting is um, a fascinating and vibrant business for babies, sleep training them, but it's it's also for adults. Like, uh, I, the things that I do, the, the new things that I do to help me sleep productively have changed, have changed the way I approach sleep and the way that I think about sleep as it pertains to students' health. Um, so we talked about um, the, the blackout curtains, yeah. which is extremely important, especially in a place like New York. Yeah. Um, and you put your phone, oh, like, away, right? You put your phone, yes. Yeah. So um, I, my phone is on airplane mode, on silent, away, and I don't look at it in the middle of the night. Because if you have insomnia and you're like, oh, my gosh, how long has it been? Oh, it's only been an hour. <laughs> I thought I slept five hours. It can be very disheartening, and it increases your anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are the blackout shades can be a little more challenging. Although um, uh, uh, I know that it's stern chats, and you probably don't do advertisements, but an advertisement that I would provide is um, blackout easy shade. Okay, they're incredible shades. Mm-hmm. We have them for our son. Um, 
So blackout shades, that can be a little more challenging to like the measurement and everything, but really important. Um, phone away. Don't look at your phone. Um, I don't look at blue light maybe like 30 to 45 minutes in advance of going to sleep because the mm -hmm. blue light, um, it, it tells your brain to wake up um, and it kind of messes up your circadian rhythms. And then with one of the best things that I did was I instituted a to-do slash worry list mm -hmm. before I go to sleep. Um, and it's just part of it is like stream of consciousness of how did I sleep the night before? And just to get that out, especially if it wasn't a good night of sleep. And then, you know, number one, I need to get, you know, pouches for Oliver. A lot of it has to do with Oliver. <laughs> but um, I need to write this thank you email. I need to do this. Oh, Cheerios. Just like random stuff, gifts for these people. And then I don't have to worry about it in the middle of the night. I realize I'm talking about a lot. But we all wake up in the middle of the night like, oh, my God. Yep. I didn't do this. And now I have to write it down. I'm going to take out my phone and write it down in like my notes, blue light hits your eyes and your brain is like, all right, time to wake up. Yeah, are, are you ever, cause I know the thing that like would bug me out about putting my phone on airplane mode is like, what if something happens? What if something, someone needs to reach out, you know, get in touch with me. Like, you know, what do you say for people that like, you know, that's their first thought, like airplane mode? I don't know. Like, you know, we're, you know, go to worst case scenario type of course. thing. <laughs> If, um, then to be honest, like there, there are times when my husband is out of town traveling and I don't keep my phone on airplane mode. Um, and also like my ears are always open because uh, Oliver. Yeah. Um, but I would say that each person has a unique situation. If putting your phone on airplane mode is going to cause you more stress, that's counterproductive yeah, to you true. getting good sleep. Um, it, it can, if you're, and also like if, uh, if you are the, the point of contact for a family member who needs you, that's, this is, that's different. And that's, that's most important. Sleep, sure. sleep of, is of course very important, but being there for a friend or family in a unique time is even more essential, I think. Yeah. So everyone has something different going on. Awesome. And that's one of the reasons why I don't put it on airplane mode, but I do always leave it in a different room. Yeah. So it's in the living room when I go to the bedroom. But I love what you said about the to-do worry <laughs> <Yeah>. list because... <laughs> I notice that when I think of something while I'm asleep or as I'm trying to go to sleep, I, I get so much anxiety mm -hmm. thinking I'm not going to remember it again tomorrow. <laughs> so the whole night I sit there and keep myself up with the worry of forgetting what I just remembered oh, yeah. that I need to do. I know. So I, I, it's like a purge. I love the idea. Like purge your thoughts out, purge your to-do list, and look at it in the morning. And even, I mean, you'll see I have things written on my hand. I have post-its and a pen next to my bed. Sometimes it's just mm -hmm. in the bed. It's like by my pillow. Uh, just like I'll wake up, have a thought, put it, write it down. And then hopefully I can read it. One of them is, this is kind of embarrassing, but chocolate. Because I needed to bring chocolate to the office today for myself. I'm not sharing it. It's that. like my, after lunch I need chocolate. Yeah. What if I forgot? Oh, my God. You know? Yeah. So th I remembered I have chocolate. Nice. Well, I could use some chocolate. Yeah, we all can. Absolutely. We all can. I love that. No, that's a very important thing. So is there anything um, 
that you have as resources or tools that NYU has that mm-hmm. you would ad- like direct students towards while they're navigating these stressful times? Um, I just had a conversation of, about this um, with the individual who wrote the article for the OPI on wellness and busyness um, in business school. And then my incredible colleague, Fatim Walenta, who's another coach, was um, telling us about even more resources that I didn't know about at Stern, um, like outside of the Wellness Center. Uh, Dr. Wern Howe is is just extraordinary. Um, There's I think we should provide this in our newsletter, honestly, because there's a whole list of resources that I wasn't aware of, like outside of the Moses Center, of course, the Writing Center, um, the Office of Global and Spiritual Life that offers meditation yeah. and yoga and wellness, something called CMEP, S or C M E P, which I wasn't even aware of. At the end of the day, Stern is replete with resources. It's about finding them. Sure. Um, I offer um, group coaching for students called Circle. And um, this semester that we're in now for fall, it was for MBA twos. Next semester will be for MBA ones and twos. And um, it's been really, really powerful. And I, it helps students to realize they're not alone in this and that, this, you know, that they feel a sense of belonging and mattering. So I love running that. And what can students expect in Circle? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> what can students expect in Circle? So most students come in and they they think, what what is Circle? Yeah. Um, it's not a job search strategy group. It's like not transactional whatsoever. Um, it is it's a safe space to talk about the highs and lows of recruiting, to learn how to receive and give feedback that's objective in nature. So rather than making assumptions about the person in front of you to deliver feedback that is um, grounded in in observed behavior. Um, And like in terms of a leadership opportunity, what I think about is if you're planning on like leading an organization or a team, you better know how to manage sensitive and spicy conversations, which can happen (laughs) in circle Um, because the topics are really interesting but it's like it's a it's a space to know that you're not alone in recruiting and in business school awesome that is great thank you so much allison thank you you for for being here with us thank you i really appreciate it thank you for inviting me oh the pleasure is all ours thank you so much to allison for sharing some great tips and resources Next, we'll hear from Gordon about incorporating mindfulness into the stressful season, and stay tuned for a guided meditation led by Gordon himself at the end of this episode. Hey Gordon, how are you doing today? Hi Ashley, hi Muyasura, thanks so much for um, having me here, it's uh, wonderful to be here. Absolutely. So Gordon, tell us, what were your routines for managing stress while recruiting for summer internships last last year? And what tips would you give to MBA ones who are currently recruiting? So when I was recruiting for internships during my first year at uh, Stern, a lot of the mechanisms I used were breathing methods. And that's really when I um, used meditation to help, help me calm my nerves, 
before interviews or even before classes and exams. Meditation really was the main main method that I used to um, calm my calm my nerves and de-stress myself uh, before interviews. And I would meditate like a few minutes before an interview and then also after interviews. So my advice to MBA ones is really uh, um, <clears throat> my advice to MBA ones really is to find your way of coping with stress. And it doesn't even have to be meditation. It could even be sitting quietly on the chair for a few minutes or um, listening to some music or or even um, eating a snack. So whatever your whatever method um, that will help you calm your nerves, it's um, it, it's a great way to to de-stress. Mm, snacks as coping mechanisms. I may <laughs> I may be able to get with that one. Sounds um, good to me. Gordon, for those who aren't super used to meditation or like super new to it, maybe intimidated by it, right? Like, how should one go about getting into it, right? Like, I know when I first started getting into meditation, um, the length would scare me. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'd be like, okay, my mind never feels like it's going to quiet down. Like, how did can you just give us a little insight onto how you went about it? Yeah, so, I mean, I started meditation at a really young age, so it, it was sort of gradually, um, I practiced it throughout my life, but for some people who it's just their first time, it can be intimidating, it can be a lot, because the goal of meditation really is to calm your mind, and the goal really is not to think of anything. Um, even when we, we go through 24 hours a day um, through sleep, and if you think our mind actually never stops thinking. Even when we're sleeping, we can be dreaming. And um, so meditation is sort of like we're telling our machine, our computer to shut down. And that can be very hard for people because <clears throat> we're so used to thinking of so many thoughts. And so when we tackle meditation, it's, it's, you have to really think of it as a way to, for you, to, for an opportunity for you to really rest your mind. It's great to do it with a group, um, but you can start by yourselves. And the thing that I tell people is um, to always, when you start meditating, you find a very quiet place, you close your eyes, and there's a certain posture, and, um, it's a, and, <clears throat> and you're telling yourself to not think of family, friends, work, what are you going to do later, what are you going to do tomorrow, like, you, you need to drop everything down and just simply let your mind rest. And after that, um, there's like a breathing method where you count your breathing or, or you notice the way you breathe. And that sort of takes your mind off thinking. And so it's very hard to, to just not think of anything. But as you practice, it's a habit. And as you do more meditation, you get better at it. Yeah, that was very hard for me to learn at first is the meditation, like anything else, is something that gets better with practice. Um, and it's not some innate skill that we are born with. So 
Um, I really appreciate the advice and just the computer analogy. I mean, I oftentimes have to remind myself that when my computer starts being slow, that I actually need to shut it down <laughs> and leave it alone for a minute. So that idea of how our body, in order for it to be at its best, really does need a moment to step outside of itself and not be so connected in order to be able to reconnect in a better way. Definitely. And like, there's actually two more analogies that might um, that I can think of as um, like imagine your mind as a glass of water and there's all this sand and dirt and dust in the water and so as you meditate the goal is to let all of the sand and dirt just sink to the bottom to reveal that clear water that clear mind that we already have and the reason why it can be so daunting is that you can think of your mind also as like a garage and it's filled with all this clutter mm. and 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 trash too <laughs> and so yeah. <laughs> your your meditation is goal is to get rid of that clutter so of course it's going to be hard because we have like a full packed gar garage of clutter and so it takes time to clear that clutter yeah absolutely so i'm actually curious gordon from your practice if there are some i don't want to I don't want to say meditation don'ts, right? But like things that maybe you should stray away from to really just have like a clean meditation. Like I know I know sometimes I like to do guided, right? It just really kind of depends on where mm -hmm. I am. But are there certain things that for like the most optimal meditation practice people should stay away from? Yeah, so it's always important to find a quiet place. So no, like not a lot of noise because... Um, the more noise there is, it, it just distracts our mind. And we want to be in the most optimal place where it's um, complete silence or at least some kind of silence. So I would suggest a quiet place. And then either you could sit on a padded chair or, um, or, on a, or on a yoga mat or a meditation pad on the floor. And um, make sure your phone is off. No distractions, very important. Um, for me personally, I do meditation at night before I sleep mm. because it's actually the time of the day where you have all these stress and thoughts that accumulated throughout mm -hmm. the day and you're using meditation as a way to clear your mind to have a better sleep quality. So yeah, definitely like no phones, no distractions, quiet space, and also a sort of dark and dimly lit space because if it's too bright, it might affect your eyes. Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the NYU Buddhism Club, which you started. When we look at the club's aim, it says it is to help the NYU student body be more calm and peaceful in the business of New York. What kind of techniques do the club members learn to apply to their busy lives uh, at school and work? Yeah, so uh, NYU Buddhism Club was actually founded um, 2011 when I actually first came to NYU undergrad and it was really a place for students of any school within NYU and also we opened it eventually to non-NYU people too and it's a it's a it's a very chill relaxed place for students to come and simply distress and we have a resident um, monk master lecturer who who zooms in and he guides us and um, and he really teaches us really just like the same things that I'm telling you guys, how to quiet the thoughts, how to be the master of your mind, um, how to tame the monkey in your mind. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. 
and try to even meditate for just five minutes, which will impact a lot on um, how you deal with life and, uh, and, and, and your studies. And in the club, we also talk about other Buddhism topics like, like mindfulness, um, awareness, um, like Four Noble Truths, or even reincarnation to a vegetar vegetarian. And it's just these concepts that go hand in hand with um, the practice of meditation. Um, meditation and Buddhism really is a way of life. So it's, we're following the middle way. So you're not too extreme, like everything is um, like balanced, like the middle way. You've got me very intrigued. I'm yeah. going to have to stop by and check it out. Yes, I went over COVID when we were doing our the Zoom yeah. classes. Um, it's, it's, very, it's very peaceful. It's awesome. Ooh. So 10 out of 10 recommend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we do it um, sort of two times a, a month. So if you're interested, you can, you can simply register to NYU Buddhism Club on the NYU Club Engage um, portal and anybody can join and it's like a one hour meeting yeah absolutely so you bring up mindfulness as um, a goal of the Buddhism Club but in general it seems like a goal of life what are some additional ways that you would recommend to students to uh, find mindfulness and peace other than meditation yeah, that's a very great question. So other ways to find mindfulness and peace other than meditation, I would think of the thing that you love doing most and something that you love doing that takes your mind off something and something that you can focus. And whatever that thing or activity is, the important thing is you have to actually do it. You have to implement it and action on it. Um, because just, so, for example, I love painting but it can't, my schedule can get quite busy for me to even start setting out my brushes or squeezing out the paint. But if I just actually do it for like an hour, it, it makes a whole difference. You're um, improving your mentality, you're giving yourself some me time, and you're actively setting aside time for your body and mind to rest. So I would encourage whatever your hobby or activity is, is to do it simply, whether it's painting, cooking, listen to music, mm. even exercise, mm -hmm. whatever yeah. that helps take your mind off, it it's it will definitely benefit you as you um, implement into your daily schedule. In Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way, I don't know if you've read it, um, you would probably enjoy it a lot. Uh, but one of the things she talks about is taking yourself on a date um, and how important that is, is to like date yourself throughout <laughs> your life uh, by taking yourself to the activities that bring you joy. Um, but that reminder, if you wouldn't want to hang out with yourself, like why would anybody else? So like constantly yeah. feeding your own soul with things that bring you joy. That is such a good, um, like, comparison. I've never heard of that before. But it, it's also reminding of COVID when we're mostly, like, by ourselves. And when you're by ourselves, can you deal with all your thoughts? And if you can't even deal with all your thoughts, then it might mean that there's too much in your mind and that you also need to calm yourself and have some me time, yeah. Awesome. Gordon, we would love it if you would guide us in, like, a quick meditation that students can use uh, to quickly reset or just give themselves uh, 
a moment yeah. to yeah as a starting point yeah, absolutely exactly. so you talked about breathing techniques as well so if there's anything that you want to touch on we would love to share this with the students great i would love to do that So right now we should know how to meditate first. So find a quiet place or and make sure there's a padded um, surface to sit on. Mute your phones. And wear comfy clothes too. And simply, let's start. So when we meditate first, we have to notice our posture. Our back should be in the upright position, not too, too bending in or too uptight. Take a, take a breath and exhale. And when you relax, that is your natural body posture. For your legs, you can either do the lotus position, which is where you cross your legs, um, either single, single lotus or both feet up, whatever you're comfortable with. Or even if you're on a chair, that is fine too. Let your neck lay slightly touching your collar. Chin inwards so your head can be centered. Now our hands. The hand gesture should be in diamond mudra. So this is the uh, hand gesture that Prince Siddhartha um, used during a meditation. So basically, you open your left hand and you grab your left thumb with your right hands and you close your fingers to your right fist to make a fist. And this is sort of to gather a center of um, attention and point to let you not be distracted during meditation and also so your hands <clears throat> are not um, are not just um, sitting there you're having a point of, of focus so right now your eyes are closed be relaxed don't be nervous so forget about everything. Don't think about friends, family, what are you going to do later, what your plans are tomorrow. Just simply let everything go. So right now, there are two methods that you can use to concentrate. The first method is breathing. So, all you, ha so you don't need to control your breathing. Your body knows already. All you have to do is be aware of it. That's it. You can do a good job on mindfulness, on breathing, and simply concentrate on the act of breathing in and out. In and out. Now, similarly, during exhalation, we should also be aware of breathing. And you can then use the second method, which is where you count numbers silently in your mind from one to 10. So you count numbers during exhalation. Now breathe in and breathe out. So when we breathe in and breathe out, we count one, two, three, four, five, six. Breathe in, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And you would simply count the numbers 
till maybe five until your breath runs out. It's different for everyone. By using those numbers, you'll be able to calm down your mind. And those numbers can be something you rely on and defeat wandering thoughts, develop your concentration and awareness. So in your meditation, whenever you come across wandering thoughts, there's no need to fight with those thoughts. Just draw your attention back to your breathing again and again, back to the method, the breathing skill that you're using. Let go of those thoughts. Do not follow them. Try to be in stillness. Try your best to use this method to help you find a firm, stable ground to stand still. If you come across drowsiness, you may open your eyes to be alert and be aware, and then go back to breathing. Do your best to observe silence. Be concentrated on the present moment, not the past nor the future. So what is awareness? Awareness is the one that can go beyond impermanence, the phenomenon of rising and ceasing, coming and going. When we practice middle way, we stay with our pure awareness, the one who can hear now to my voice, clearly with no discrimination. When the thoughts come, let them come, and when they go, we let them go. So right now, let's continue the breathing practice and continue our meditation. Wow. <laughs> I feel so much better already. <laughs> I know, this was the perfect <laughs> midday thing. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gordon, for joining us. It was a pleasure having you here. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, this was great, and I hope um, everyone gets a chance to to meditate and experience that moment of silence and peace. Thank you. Thank you.